Welcome to the Breathe Podcast, where we explore the intersection of faith and creativity. We interview artists from all walks of life to discover how faith plays a role in their art and expression, hoping to encourage you to live a life of creativity and faith. And now, please welcome your co-hosts, Derek Engoy, Christian Mendoza, and Kevin Horton. Yep, yep. Welcome back to the Breathe Faith and Creativity podcast. Thank you so much once again for joining us today from Torrance, California. I am Derek Engoy, co-host from Long Beach, California. We got Kevin Horton. What up, Kevin? Strong Beach. Yeah. And from C-Town, from Cerritos, California, we got Christian Mendoza. Christian, what's going on? Yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo. It is such a an honor to be with you guys again. I am so looking forward to the day we can be in the same room and record these <laughs> episodes, man. It's going to be so phenomenal. I'm really hoping yeah. that one day we are one day soon before the season's yeah. over, we'll be in the same room and give people the amazing banter and camaraderie we have. And you're going to hear the difference for sure. For sure. For sure. Uh-huh. It's going to be a stare, it's going to be a stare down. Stare down. <laughs> That's right. It's going to be a stare. It's a down. manifestation visualization party. That's I mean, right. we I think I have a feeling we're probably going to end up doing it in one of Cordorcalus corners, maybe on the stage, who knows. Yeah. I could I could already see it. Absolutely. But hey, you know, despite all that, it's been great chatting with you guys even though it's virtual. I think we've done a great job given the fact yeah. that this is our first season together, no prior other than me interviewing you individually for your episodes last season. Uh, the three of us really didn't have any experience together talking, and I think we've done a fabulous job, and it shows. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I say I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it, it, it shows for sure. It shows uh, by the reviews, and I know that we're not mm-hmm. at our reads right now, but... I think I want to definitely take this opportunity to shout out uh, cricket underscore unicorn. Um, and I want to read it because I think it, it relates to what I'm talking about in terms of our camaraderie and the way that we've been able to connect this past season. Um, in fact, I think cricket underscore unicorn left a review months and months ago, but I think this person updated it. And I'm not sure oh, if you nice. guys had a chance to read it, but it simply says this, you'd be hard pressed to find a better environment to soak in when it comes to creativity and faith. Kevin, Chris, and Derek are passionate, funny, endearing, and very thoughtful in their approach to a broad range of topics that they come into contact with throughout their context. They inspire, challenge, and question. Derek's questions always get me and how he draws people out. Man, You've just got to hear it. The guests are also very diverse and have wonderful stories to share. And so I think that's a testament to the success of this past season. Yeah, this is dope, man. This is like my new Monday Night Football. <laughs> I gave up football, you know? That's right. Where I'd, I'd be like all pumped up, like, let's do something, you know, personally cultivating. I think, And I really like this a lot better. MNP, you know? Monday Night Podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, hey, Kevin, how are you doing uh, this past week? What's going on with you? I'm doing good. You know, as we're doing the show right now, I, I was at my work walking, coming into my, going to my car. And I just realized that one year ago today, I was thinking about what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I look and I realize things are opening up, coming toward normal. Yeah. Vaccinations and everything and realize how good God is. Yeah. He's just, he's just good. Mm-hmm. That's how I live my life, even though I'm fly. (laughs) 
God definitely happen. is good. And yeah, he, God sure is amazing. Chris, how about you? How was your week? Uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, I had a, a pretty crazy holy week, I guess. Uh, started from Palm Sunday up until Easter. Uh, I was doing art pretty much the entire week. And so it was kind of crazy. It's like I'm publicly proclaiming like, hey, you know, like painting for me and drawing is, is religious for me. And so God set me up with like a crazy gauntlet pretty much the entire week. <laughs> That's so good. And I, yeah, we'll even talk about it in more detail with the, with the questions of tackling new things. But yeah. yeah, let's just put it this way. It was crazy, but it was productive, tiring, but hey, it's, it was it was awesome. That's so good. Yeah, I've had a busy, not just past week, but a busy April. For those of you who don't know, it is National Poetry and Writing Month. I've been doing... You know, an amalgamation of both writing and reciting. I've been on this app. Shout outs to the Bars app where they provide the beats and you lay down uh-huh. a rhyme. You lay down, uh-huh. you know, as you know, a verse. So I've been taking that as an opportunity to go back and forth with written written pieces of poetry and um, you know, raps. We're like halfway through April ish, and so I think you know, with the addition of the raps, it's been a lot more easier for me because I think. It, uh-huh. It really is a challenge. If you talk to any poet who's tried to tackle 30 for 30, it really is a challenge to write one poem every single day. And so, it's a challenge uh, for me to tackle one poem <laughs> a year, every yeah, a single year. Of a month. <laughs> your ratio is really off, Kev. Yeah. I don't know about your your, your, your uh, career as a poet. You know, but it's been wonderful. I think just this whole month, because I'm also teaching that creative writing workshop. So I've been really inundated yeah. with not just teaching writing, but also writing myself. So it's been. It's been creatively fulfilling for me this past yeah. month. So yeah, it's been good. Um, thanks for asking. Uh, let's let's dive into an icebreaker question really quick. Uh, so sure. today our guest, his name is Stephen Murphy, and he started a podcast this year. But he has a an extensive background in videography. So my icebreaker question for y'all today, and maybe we can start with you, Chris. What sure? What movie or show doesn't have to be just big screen, but even small screen, what movie or show would you say has the best cinematography for you and why? Uh, for me personally, it was, uh, do you guys remember the French movie Amelie? Yeah, actually. Yeah. The, yeah. The Jean-Pierre Junot yeah. movie. Short, short haired uh, girl on all the promo. Yeah. yeah. Audrey Tattoo. Yeah. And that movie, like they just knew how to get the colors, the textures, mm. the shadows, like they just knew what they were doing. Yeah. And, and it just looked like visual art. You were sit, you were literally in a painting for about two hours. Everything was super quirky, very intelligently done, and it it was just it was like a cut above like whatever I had seen before. It just totally marked a new era for me, and it was kind of like, hey, like th- these colors are just so ridiculous. And so, yeah, that's my that's my favorite movie. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, how about you, Kevin? I'm waffling back and forth on my answer. Can I have thirty more minutes, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> no man. Um, no now. Um, lightning round. You gotta go now. <laughs> okay. Uh, 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 see, that's Philip. Um, uh, um, Star Wars. Yeah. Episode four. Oh yeah. Oh gee. I can remember being eight years old and do the math. I'm old. Mm-hmm. Being in the theater and the lights go down and just from the beginning of that movie, just when the London Symphony Orchestra, yeah, music hits, it was just a a flood for the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Or the ears too. I mean, you just see like the, the, the text coming up, scrolling up, and then you see the, the panning of the stars. Yeah. That's a, 
crazy. Intro. And even even to this day, I get chills when I hear that music because when mm-hmm. it it's that first note, you know yeah. what note that is when it's just Ta-da! a long time ago <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> and then it hits. Yeah, you know, it's for me. It's man, there are so many amazing films out there that have great cinematography. I mean. If you want to talk modern, I know it's a lot of CGI, but even filmographers will say CGI falls into the category of that and is definitely, you know, is absolutely acceptable. But man, I I would have to say, and maybe it's not one specific film, but I would say just what Tim Burton's able to do with his films. Yeah, that's true too. You know, I look at, you know, not just his, and I don't even want to touch his stop motion stuff, but Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at. You know, you look at Batman with Kevin, uh, with not Kevin, but uh, uh Keith, uh, Michael Keaton. Uh, man, you uh, even, by the way, I don't mind being in ever, Batman. If, if someone wants to cast me in Batman, I'll do it. I just thought I'd throw yeah. my hat in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Edward Scissorhands, though. Yeah, yeah. And, I totally relate to that. I'm also thinking of like Big Fish with Ewan McGregor, uh-huh. and oh my gosh, like just the yeah. visuals on that. And I, and I know it, it wasn't the best. You know, the mm-hmm. mo- his modern take on. Uh, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, or in his case, Willy, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. But even the imagery uh, in there, the colors that Tim Burton was able to use, just fascinated by his creative eye and how he puts together a piece of art, really. Yeah, he 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 makes dark kind of appealing. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. a crazy talent. Yeah, so that, that that's what I would say. Nothing specific from Tim Burton, but just the Tim uh-huh. Burton eye, I'd say. Uh-huh. Okay, so before we get uh, into the rest of our show today, uh, don't forget to check out our Instagram page and give us a follow. Uh, we love connecting through IG, so you know it's basically connect. And we usually post news, episode updates, and podcast tips for any up to any up and coming podcast hosts looking to make an impact. And our IG handle is at breed.podcast and help us out by spreading the word. I also want to take this time to remind everyone to rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Let us know how we're doing. Please show us some love. And make sure you hit that subscribe button to get notifications every time we release a new episode. And finally, I also want to encourage you to head on over to our Patreon page under Derek Engoy, and you can specifically support this podcast and help cover some of the costs to keep it running. Shout-outs to our current supporters on Patreon who are collectively helping to pay for every single month's fees that go into producing the show. So thank you so much. We do have different, yeah, so we do have different support tiers for you to choose from, from the entry level of $1 a month. Uh, That's right. Just $1 a month. We also have a $3 a month tier, 10 and 20. And for each tier, you of course get additional rewards as a way for us to say thank you, including the uncut version of all of our interviews. And so the latest one that's up on the website or on the Patreon page is our interview with Helen Garcia from our episode a couple of episodes ago, two episodes ago. So if you want to hear her interview uncut in its entirety, it's a good hour long of some goodness and some great, great, great nuggets of wisdom. I think I even end up answering one of her questions. So she kind of flipped the script on me there. So make sure. Yeah, I, I remember that. <laughs> you got a Patreon. Oh, and, and you know, there was it was actually a lot longer. So the, the, the oh. you know, what actually aired wasn't even yeah. just scratching the surface of our conversation. So head to Patreon. Yeah. 
dot com forward, forward slash Derek Engoy and help to support. And hey, thanks ahead of time for the love. All right. So I had the amazing privilege. I mentioned his name earlier. And of course, he uh-huh. was the basis of our icebreaker question, or at least his field of study and his career for the past, I don't know, few decades. Uh, but I had the privilege of chatting with Stephen Murphy uh, this past week. Again, he's a videographer by trade. But, you know, he dived into, he dove, he dived. Yeah. He dove, he dived, whatever. <laughs> he he dove into the... Uh, you lo- I love semantics. <laughs> he uh, started, let's just say it that way. He started a podcast <laughs> this year, January, the beginning of January. So he's fresh into the podcasting world and his podcast is called The Nook. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hearing his story and his journey really led me to this question, which is one of the biggest themes in our conversation that I want to unpack with you guys. Mm-hmm. Kevin, maybe we can start with you. First question I have is how do you process tackling new ventures? Well, first of all, I'm an overthinker uh, and sometimes that can be your your biggest detriment in starting new ventures because I'd still be thinking about it and other people would be acting on it. Uh-huh. I can think about when it was presented to me to join the rock band Blakenstein. Uh-huh. And I, I went against my thought pattern, which was to think everything out. And I just did like a belly flop in. I just said, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. And it was the best decision I could make. And I'm still trying to figure out what I did. Yeah. But, but just going there, running, jumping, and hoping there's water to fall into. So now you said this process in this particular example wasn't your norm. In other words, you usually don't rip the Band-Aid off. You take some time, but this was something that you actually just dove headfirst? Yeah, and it was a new way of tackling things because I would, I think a lot of times if you overthink things too long, then you miss opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. You're still, you're still thinking about it. And then it was a new way of, for me of thinking is, well, the Lord challenged me on it. And he says, um, uh, Moses didn't think about things when he was crossing the Red Sea. That's right. When he was in the middle, you know, you make a decision. You know, waters don't part until your feet get wet, mm. bud. Yeah, yeah. Go or you've got to go. Like, imagine Moses in the Red Sea. He'd be thinking about, should I cross? Should I not? <laughs> what's, what's the best thing? And all of a sudden, the Lord said, there's an opening. Go. Yeah. Or else he would have gotten annihilated by the Egyptians, right? If he thought too exactly. long. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for sharing that. How about you, Chris? Uh, how do you process tackling new ventures? Oh, uh, wow. Well, probably the first thing you have to do is just learn about whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Um, and then you have to measure that up against your own personal motivation. And can you see yourself measuring up to what it takes? Right. And if it does, dude, go for it. And in, what, in my case, I mean, it's, I mean, we talked about it like pretty much the whole season. It was just the mural. Right. I mean, I had to learn a completely different type of paint. I had to learn the grid system, right. you know, which is like an ancient system that Michelangelo learned, you know. And so when I learned about the, the, the Sistine Chapel and what it took to get it up there, mm. I'm like, whoa, right? Yeah. And I mean, he did it 500 years ago, no electricity. And the thing that's even better is that I did take that leap. The leap of faith is I really love large format painting. Mm. It's like dancing. Mm. It's like I'm 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 making yeah. strokes that are like six to eight feet long, and and, and as before I'd be constricted on a little piece of paper, but now it's the whole wall. And so 
yeah, it's just a whole new appreciation for it. I mean, from an intellectual standpoint and from an experience standpoint, I'm just kind of glad. How about you? Yeah, I think for me, the big key to tackling new ventures, of course, is interest, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm interested in something, I'm just going to dive in. Kind of like your yeah. experience, Kevin, with Blakenstein. Me, me too. But yes, but yeah, you know. But but that's me, like all the time. Whenever I'm interested in mm. something, I mean, yeah. coffee roasting, for instance, I dove right in. Right, poetry. Mm-hmm. I think back in '94, I dove right in, and you know, those are the two examples that I could think of. And yeah, if I have an interest in it, like you said, Chris, yeah, absolutely, I'm going to do my research. I'm going to try to figure out, you know, the nuances. Let's say in this example, coffee roasting, I'm going to figure out what region provides the best beans, you know, what, 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 what farm provides, you know, the best culture for those beans. Cause I'm not going to want to support a farm that has, you know, um, unfair wages for their workers. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to make or sure pesticides, it's pesticides. I want to make sure it's ethical. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I even learned about the pea berry bean, which is, you know, considered a superior bean to your normal bean. Cause they're a lot smaller, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they're handpicked out of the batch. So it literally is. So if you got, if let's say for instance, like one batch that I recently have, it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's from Rwanda and what the farmers do is they'll, they'll harvest all of their beans and they'll literally go through the beans and separate what they call the pea berry, the smallest berry, mm-hmm. um, you know, or the, the smaller berries from the normal ones. And so you have two beans from Rwanda but one is going to be considered the more premium than the other just because of its process. You tend to get more. So it's kind of like a tenderloin. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to learn about it again. So there's interest and there's the learning aspect and then you just go and you, you make mistakes and you learn from your mistakes, you know, and you keep at it and get better. You know, I just think a lot of the things I got into, tend to be a lot more expensive, like hobbies, hobbies wise, you know? So oh, yeah. it's not Especially like when electronics are involved. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, <laughs> or even just coffee in general, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. you know, we have an espresso machine at home and sure I can practice with soapy water and chocolate syrup, but man, I want to yeah. make myself a drink. And so that's a lot of like, like for me, I'm lactose, right. Intolerant. So yeah. that's a lot of oat milk to buy. That's a lot mm-hmm. of beans to, to purchase or to roast in my case to, to turn mm-hmm. into espresso beans. And uh, it's just a lot. You know, and yeah. Not only the, the stress that you're putting on the machine, I, I'm sure you drink a lot more coffee than the average person. I do. I do. And, yeah. and, and you know, um, all, all, all by the way, with the approval of my doctor. So I don't, <laughs> I just want to make sure I put that out there. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like it's so all crazy. Yeah. As um, I said, I was an overthinker. I was thinking about, does Derek tell his doctor all about these things? Like, no, but I heard, I heard. Uh, does he have a, a problem a with drinking of- yeah, like a decent amount of coffee is actually healthy for the heart. Yeah, it is. And like for me, like wine. for instance, I don't go more than three a day. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'll do a cup of regular black coffee straight up in the morning. Mm-hmm. I might make myself a cortado in, you know, the, the late morning. Uh, and then, you know, to top off my night, I might have like, you know, more of a medium roast. So if you don't know anything about coffee, right, light roasts tend to have more caffeine, uh, even though mm-hmm. it might taste like and not as strong. A lot of people mix that up. I want strong coffee. I want that strong mm-hmm. taste. Well, that strong taste really says it has less caffeine. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'll tend to lean more toward the darker, darker, more darker roast uh, in the mm-hmm. afternoon to evening, just so I don't 
get all caffeinated like I would in the morning, which I tend to do more light or roast. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, follow-up question to that. Thanks for sharing. Um, sure. Kevin, how do you deal with challenges when you do try new things? Well, I think back to my previous episode, we just uh, went through with Melanie Needs Smuck and I think about exercising mm-hmm. and I th- think about um, years ago, if you told me I was going to take Tybo, I'd be like, uh, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. and, and I would walk by her class and then I would see her and then I said, I, I can't take this. And she said, the only way that you can't take it is if you don't try it. it was, I was like a brick wall and she kept starting to chip away at it. Then she said, just try one move. And, and I did. She said, see, you're doing Tybo. Yeah. And then it was just step by step. So how do I deal with challenges when I'm trying new things? I try to surround myself with people that already know what they're doing in that particular field. In other words, Melanie with her coaching. Yeah. Then learn from them or say, am I doing it correctly? Or get the technique down. Then then, then I go forward. So good. Yeah. How about you, Chris? How do you deal with challenges when it comes to trying out new things? I think the number one thing is associating it to something that you've done in the past that you're good at mm. or that you've, you know, yet you're all right at. I mean, like last, like we're talking about Easter. Um, I did a live painting starting on Good Friday. Nice. At, at, at the branch, right? And so I finished the painting by Sunday morning service. And so Pastor Michelle's like, hey, you want to give a couple words on your painting? And I'm like, whoa, I'm doing this in front of the church now. Yeah. And then I think about it and I'm like, well, wait. I've done this before. Yeah. I've done college lectures. I performed in the band. That's right. You know, we've, we've done it together. Yeah. We've, we're doing this too. We're doing the podcast. Why can't I just do it? On, like, so the uncomfortability started to chip away when I realized I'm like, dude, I'm kind of built for this. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of people seeing me now. Yeah. That's so and good. So, that's yeah. Amazing. So it was pretty dope. Yeah. If you associate with something that you've done or you've conquered in the past, oh, it makes it so much easier. Yeah. How about you, Derek? Yeah, I think to my detriment, um, the way I deal with challenges, I just keep pushing forward. I keep burrowing my head through whatever that challenge is. And I say to my detriment because sometimes I don't know when to step back and pause, which pausing Mm -hmm. when it comes to facing new things, um, when you don't have it right, pausing is actually a healthy thing. And I don't know how to do that. I mean, I don't want to say I don't know because I do do it at times, but mm-hmm. it'll take a long time for me to really step back and pause. Usually it takes Marissa telling me, Hey, you need to, you need to chill out for a little bit, you know? Um, but I think that's just my drive, my drive to be better my drive to, to get better. <clears throat> so although it's a detriment to me, to keep pushing my head forward. That's how I deal with the challenges. I just keep going and going and going and periodically I'll take a rest a little bit and, and take a step back. So that's how, that's how I deal with challenges. But, but thank you guys mm-hmm. for, you know, sharing your thoughts. It's definitely, definitely food for thought for me. And it's definitely a great segue into our interview this week. Uh, so that being said, sit back, relax, enjoy our conversation with the host of the Nook podcast, Stephen. Murphy. All right, y'all. Our guest today has been in the videography world for many, many years. He is currently... 
working as a videographer for the Joyce Meyer Ministries. He lives out in South Carolina, Arizona, and he's currently residing in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, And he's recently dipped his toe into the podcasting waters, just launching his show at the beginning of the year called The Nook Podcast, which we'll definitely talk about for sure throughout the course of this interview. We met through a mutual group page on Facebook for podcasters, and I'm extremely excited to unpack Stephen Murphy's story with y'all today. Stephen, welcome to the show, and thanks for being on. How's it going? Uh, It's going going so well. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to our chat. Hey, quickly, uh, icebreaker. Let's uh, let's set things up a little bit before we dive into the meat of today's discussion. As a videographer, what has been your most favorite movie, specifically for its cinematography and visual style? Oh, man. <laughs> to, to pick just one. Okay, how about two? <laughs> you know what? Because for me, there are sometimes it's not an entire film. It'll be literally one camera angle mm. and like ju- that just grabs me. And sometimes, and, and honestly, it's usually a big panoramic kind of a shot where you just see a guy you can just barely make out his silhouette as he is walking across the horizon shots like that that are just they may seem kind of broad and and nondescript but it's like still when I realize you know that's where I my background comes in it's like just to set up a shot like that takes Mm. so much and there's a lot of thought in it and there's a lot of design to it and for that matter there's probably a lot of takes that, that they did that day. But honestly, like the first thing that comes to mind for me is the Green Mile. Mm, oh, yeah. Yeah. There there was such beautiful shots that they didn't cut a lot. They didn't. Uh, it's not overlit. Um, and some of those hardcore emotional moments when you're just right in Tom Hanks' eyes and stuff like that, when, when some of those real hardcore heart moments are happening in that film. It's like those those just kind of burn an image in your own mind. Yeah. You know, as a purist, I assume as a videographer, you know, is there any appreciation towards CGI stuff coming from your pocket, if if you will? Um, like I think of the MCU, I think of even the small screen of the MCU with Disney Plus. Do you have an appreciation for CGI stuff, given that you seem to be more of a traditionalist in terms of videography? Oh, I absolutely do, because uh, I know that it makes some of those locations that are almost impossible to get to mm. possible. Yeah. Um, whether, whether real or fictional, I absolutely have an appreciation for that because the technology now is such that, you know, I think about even just going back and watching the original star Wars, that mm-hmm. some of the effects look a little bit campy because we're looking at them with, through completely different eyes now. And then you fast forward to a movie like avatar where, I mean, they, they said that they couldn't even make that movie until the technology could catch because yeah. there was such rich layers of, I mean, shoot, that movie just blow your mind and visuals that it's like, yeah, you, you understand how you can't just, you can't go half hearted and make a film like that because the, the images, the locations don't exist. But those things are awesome. So good. Hey, so quick bio moment. Um, I know we unpacked a little bit about your love for cinematography, videography, uh, pictures even. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, in addition to videography and podcasting, who, who is Steven and what makes you you? Wow. Well, I just had a birthday and it just makes me feel really old. So I <laughs> don't know how far back you want to go. As, as far um, back or as, as, as short as you want to, but happy birthday. If you don't well, mind thanks, me asking, you, asking, how old are you now? I just hit double nickels. I am 55. 
artistically, uh, photography goes back for me well into high school. Um, I think that's where my visual chops were honed. Um, took photography class my freshman year of high school and kind of never looked back. So that was back before video was, was so available that, you know, folks that had a video camera for their vacation stuff were still those, those things were not exactly all consumer based at the time. Yeah. Uh, but so I did photography for many years and then got into the the video side of things in the uh, mid to late eighties. And just then everything made really made a big shift from there. I started a whole lot more in live events for 2004 with the, I, I shot the Olympics in Athens. I did all the basketball oh, wow. in Athens for that was absolutely the pinnacle of my TV sports career. Um, but that was also kind of a big shift time for me and that I was missing a lot of time at home, mm. missing a lot of time with, with my wife and family, uh, cause sports is evenings, weekends and holidays. Yeah. And it was rough. It was really taking a toll on my family and, to, to do a little bit of a deep dive, I was in a hotel room in Boulder, Colorado, like in November of 2004. Mm-hmm. And my wife just flat out told me, she said, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Wow. And that was, that was rough because I remember when I first started in TV, I, one of the first things that caught my eye, it's like, man, everybody here is divorced a couple times over and they're, they've got child support payments. And wow. And it was just something that was very obvious for me. And so to have, be having that talk several years later when my wife is kind of at her wits end, it was rough. And so I just kind of said, well, hold on. Are you like, are you done, done? Or can we figure this out? And she was quiet for a long time. And she said, well, we can figure this out. Oh. So it was six, eight months of planning, praying, lots of talking. And I got out of sports TV and took my first job at a church in Peoria, Arizona. But yeah, that was, so that was the summer of 2005. I worked at a church there for a couple of years, moved to South Carolina and worked at another church there for about six years. And I've been here in St. Louis for coming up on eight years now, still doing live events, uh, still doing a lot of videography, a lot more on the editing side. And uh, like you said, the podcast world is a new, is my new play purdy. Yeah. That I'm just kind of obsessed with right now. <laughs> my wife will tell you, like, can we stop talking about the podcast? <laughs> well, let's dive into that. What, why, why the switch? And what is it about podcasting that was intriguing to you to make you want to jump into it? Uh, the podcast actually, it, it came through a friend, which is kind of funny to me. Um, he's somebody that I bounced ideas off, uh, just another video producer. And I've done some personal projects. I did two sets of videos last year that were kind of birthed out of the pandemic. And the second set was more uh, topical, just to try to up my own storytelling chops that way. And the friend, my buddy BJ says, why don't we do a podcast where we talk about these videos and kind of break them down a little bit more? And it's like that had never occurred to me. And I thought that's a great idea. But the more that I pondered what that might look or sound like, uh, was like, well, I don't want to just do one video and then have one podcast episode where we talk about it. I want to talk to other people who have a story that might have a tie to one of my videos. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a video that I did that where I talk about, I was diagnosed with depression a couple of years ago. So I have a video called the dark night of the soul. So it's been interesting to talk to you. I've had three or four interviews now with people who 
have dealt with depression or are still dealing with depression to unpack those things, but get other people's perspective. Um, I had my counselor on uh, for an episode to talk to her about kind of some of the stuff that I've been through, as well as just what she's been seeing in how her caseload has changed Mm -hmm. and that, you know, depression is affecting kids younger and younger. Yeah. So the thing started essentially kind of small, but now I've, I just released my 10th episode and I've got another half a dozen in the can. I've got four more to edit. So it's called the nook, correct? And tell us a little bit about your your pitch what what's your your one to two sentence pitch of what the nook is all about oh and see that's where it's tough because there's such a backstory (laughs) (laughs) especially and i don't know how it was for you when you first started but it's like i knew what the thing was i knew it was going to sound like but i'm asking people to be on a podcast that didn't exist yet Hmm. and that was especially you know there's friends and family that agreed just because they know me but then there was people like well could i listen to it i'm like well not just yet but (laughs) The nook is actually where I'm sitting. It's a corner of my basement that has become the place where I start every morning here with coffee Hmm. and my Bible, and I get at least a half an hour, sometimes more, to just sit here and kind of set the pace for my day. But the, the bigger thing is the nook is it's my sanctuary. It's where I create. It's where I connect with God. And that's the that's always going to be the underlying spirit of any of the conversations that I have with folks. I love it. What has been the most intriguing or who has been the most intriguing guest you've had on your podcast or any kind of discussions that have come up that has really maybe not set you back, but kind of you step back a little bit and you walked away from that interview or putting that show together and thought, man, this is this is this is really filling me. This is surprisingly filling me. What, what can you share an experience like that? Uh, yeah. Um, there's, I've got a good friend here in St. Louis. He actually runs the St. Louis dream center. Mm. Yeah. They do such amazing work. They've got hands in the community that are so good. I mean, I've been out there several times shooting video for them and those stories are always just rich. You just, you're seeing such great need, but maybe even better, you're seeing great needs being met. Mm Mm-hmm. And people coming back and people being taken care of in their community. And it's like that place is there for the long haul. And Tony is awesome. Anytime I've ever had to point a camera at him and say, all right, give me the the two minute nutshell of what's happened here today. Tony is a soundbite machine (laughs) and he's right off the top of his head. He's, he's a one take wonder. And so I expected a certain degree of that, but we got to dive a little deeper into his story about, okay, you're obviously very passionate about what you do. What's driving that? Well, now we're going back to, I want to say it was like 2003 when he was just a couple of years removed from a really bad divorce, mm-hmm. job loss, kind of all those really rotten in life things that he was just a very broken man. And he wandered into the St. Louis Dream Center just out of curiosity. Mm -hmm. So he showed up there in that same broken way that he's seeing people walk in all broken now. And it just gives him a completely different perspective. He's working uh, from a place of understanding what broken looks like and what broken feels like. And the compassion that flows out of that guy is just unreal. That's so good. Now let's switch gears a little bit, dive in a little bit deeper. I know you mentioned your Bible, you mentioned the church, obviously talking about the, the dream center and, and, and Tony's little testimony. 
Now, as a follower of Jesus, for you, how does your faith play a role in your creativity, whether it be uh, videography in the past or even podcasting now? How does your faith play a role in your creativity? It's what drives it. And I realize that may sound like a very broad brush or, you know, even churchy kind of answer. But that's, again, that kind of comes back to the whole essence of the nook Mm -hmm. in that it's a shift in thinking to where I'm not, I'm not creating something for God. I'm creating something because. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, I love that. I don't have to impress him. And, And I would go so far to say that, I mean, God doesn't need my podcast, but there's somebody in the world that does. Yeah. There's somebody, there's somebody that stumbles across it, or maybe somebody shares a link. That person needs my podcast or mm. that person needs something that's said in one of my videos. And I, I don't say that to, to, to sound proud. Like it's something that I did, but it's like, I know, I know the essence of why I made something yeah. and it's, it's to bring God glory. And it's, it's a slow growth. And, and yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a small fish in a huge pond, but I'm in truth, I'm not out for some massive audience. I'm out for the right ears. Yeah. I'm just, I, I create what I do with the mindset that God's going to put that podcast in somebody's ears or a video in front of, in front of somebody's eyes at the right time. And uh, like I mentioned the episode about my, uh, my counselor, where I, I interviewed my counselor, she was nervous about it. Mm. She'd never done anything like that. And I told her, I said, I firmly believe that somebody is going to, to get something out of this and realize that they need help. Yeah. The day that it released, I was sitting here that morning having my coffee and my time, and I start getting texts from a guy that I used to work with in South Carolina. He had just listened to the episode, and he's, he's asking me, tons of questions. How often do I go? Uh, what am I getting out of it? How much does it cost? Wow. And I, he's, I mean, he, after going back and forth, literally for like an hour, he finally said, I really need to get some help. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, bro, please get some help. If, if that's the way you're feeling about your mental state right now, then get some help. Yeah. Talk to somebody. Um, I'm the poster child for counseling. Yeah. But it was that proof. And I, I took a screenshot of that and sent it to my counselor just to say, see, <laughs> I mean, there's God, God is going to put this in, in the, in the right people's hands at the right time. And yeah. if, and if that, that friend of mine was the only one that that hit, I'm totally okay. with. That. Yeah. You know, when we started season two, so we're in our second season and this season we brought on two other co-hosts and one of our co-hosts, Christian, he's an artist painter and he described at the beginning of the season that because we all the three of us have bouts with depression which you and i definitely have something in common there but he had mentioned he has bipolar disorder and he had mentioned that man these podcasts i think it was by season two or episode two or episode three of the season he had mentioned that man, these podcast episodes just recording and having a place to talk is like going to therapy without having to pay um oh yeah yeah my question then to you is you know you 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 shared how your episode um, and episodes have brought healing to others and connected others to God. How would you say, or have you experienced God providing you with a touch of healing from your end as the interviewer, as the producer of these podcasts? How have you experienced healing through God um, in your podcasting experience? I interviewed this gal. In fact, she was the first one that I reached out to that 
I figured uh, she's going to say no. She didn't know me. I just, I followed her on Instagram. Yeah. On Instagram. Mm -hmm. And she's, she's amazingly talented. Somebody had reposted a video that she did last year where she did this funny song about COVID and her voice is such that she can, she sounds like every Disney princess you've ever heard. Mm. She's just, she's phenomenal. And she's just incredibly witty. So I followed her on Instagram. She's got this great backstory where her folks gave her Karen Carpenter tapes way back in the day. And she's basically kind of formed her voice after Karen Carpenter. And I was just going to talk to her about her amazing talent, but it was almost like she was feeling apologetic that she was a a believer in Jesus, but she didn't sing Christian music. Hmm. And so I remember the the conversation just kind of spun into this whole thing about how you don't have to, I think it was Martin Luther who said, you know, a a great Christian shoemaker doesn't put Jesus on the side of every shoe. (laughs) He just, he just makes good shoes. Yeah. It's like, well, she's using her voice to, to lighten people's load and make them smile. And she does a Karen Carpenter tribute show that she's had people come up to her in tears and say, Oh, my wife died three years ago. And that was our wedding song. And, um, just in moments like that, when you realize that, uh, you know, God can use you in so many ways and it doesn't always have to be chapter and verse mm-hmm. um, that he gives us talents. He gives us gifts that you can, you can enlighten somebody's day that, that serves you coffee yeah. and you don't have to get a, get on a soapbox and bang on a Bible to, to do that. It's little things like that, that I feel like have stood out to me. It just makes me want to be a better human. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, and we've been asking, obviously, those who come on the show who are Christian, well, maybe even those who aren't Christian, we've been asking this question from time to time with people. Um, who Who is God to Stephen? Oh, he's everything. Hmm. Again, and I, I know that that's, that's the easy answer. <laughs> um, but I feel like there's a part of me that at 55 is, and I've, I would call myself a Christian from 19, hmm. that... I would even say that there's a part of me that's embarrassed that I'm this old and only two years into two, three years into a really deep, rich relationship hmm. with God. But I think that's again, what fuels me now so much that I do everything from that and not for it. Sometimes I make, you're, you're a coffee guy. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's like you you get the most amazing cup of coffee and it just makes you want to have another cup of coffee. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Uh, as as trite as it may sound, I feel like the more that I read the Bible, the more that I want to read the Bible because hmm. I finally got serious about it. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a fun, truly fun kind of a cycle that that I have found that the more I read it, the more I want to read it and the more I want to understand it. Yeah. And how it's really affecting, it affects stuff that I do absolutely every day. Yeah. You know, from a storytelling perspective, as a creative writer, I've been reading the scriptures through that lens. And for you as a videographer, I'm sure you can read the scriptures through those lenses too. And there's this passage in the scriptures and obviously with Easter, the Easter season here or just past, there's this part where at Jesus's crucifixion, there's this earthquake that happens and it talks mm. about the bodies of the graves coming out yes. and walking into the city. 
And we just passed through that. And I'm like, wait, yes, are there zombies like walking into the city? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is in the Bible. Like, man, how? No. okay, no lie, dude. I was just reading that yesterday (laughs) and and wondering how many times do we blow by that? And for that matter, how many times does a a pastor's getting his Easter message ready? Dude, two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. I preached on the the zombie <laughs> apocalypse yeah, see, in the scripture. <laughs> but see, I'm thinking you're an anomaly there. That not a lot of pastors are going. You know, I should probably mention this part about how graves were busting open and people were just walking into the city. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a big highlight for all your big Easter visitors right. who are only going to be in your church for the you know first time that year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the final questions I have for you is: Let's say someone is listening to the show. And, you know, they want to get into podcasting or even videography, if you can talk about that if you want as well, but they're hesitant for whatever reason. What would you say to that person, he or she, they're listening and they want to get into videography or podcasting. uh, What would you say to them to encourage? Well, my guess is if they have any interest in either one, then there's already something about them. Even if you're just the guy who's always taken the family photos, Mm -hmm. there's, there's something about you that already has some kind of a band one way or the other. There's something there. Mm-hmm. there. And for that matter, there is so much out there that you can watch or read to to help you hone your craft. It's not like you got to go to film school or community college. There, there's just there's so many resources out there. And for that matter, it may take a little digging. I love talking to people about what I do. And if somebody just wanted to pull my ear and say, how did you get started or how do I do this? I love those kind of contacts. Reach out to people who who you do know or, you know, at least know of. And then just get out there and do it. Figure out whatever your bend is in telling a story. Sometimes it's one picture. Sometimes it's a three-minute video. Sometimes it's a 40-minute podcast. Your goal should always be to get somebody to lean in. Hmm. That, to me, without a story, you're not going to get that. And it, it kills me when you see young kids trying to chase the algorithm on YouTube or, or Instagram for that matter. You know, it's like, well, let's do a reaction video or let's do a prank video. And it's like those, you may get a bunch of views for that one thing, but then what, yeah. how are you going to sustain that? Don't buy into your own hype in those situations. There's gotta be something that, that is in it for a longer game. I'd rather have influence with 10 people who want to hear it than a hundred people who are, are half hearted about it. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Thank you. As far as this episode is concerned, you definitely, your story and your, your ability to tell your life story definitely caused me to lean in a little bit, Steven. I appreciate that. Hey, before we let you go, we've been doing this thing at the end of every episode dating back to season one, and it's called lightning round. You down to play? Bring it. All right, so here's how it works. I'm going to give you a list, maybe 10 or 11 choices, two choices, and all all it is is I'll give you the choice and you react, not too much thinking to it, and you just give me the first okay. the first answer that comes to your mind. Cool? Hold on, let me let me slug a little bit more Java Monster. <laughs> okay, coach, bring it. All right, here we go. Day or night? Night. Video or audio? Oh, it's got to be audio right now. Man, that was hard. <laughs> Arizona or South Carolina? Arizona. Always ba- be home. <laughs> Baseball or basketball? Basketball. East Coast or West Coast? Oh, 
such a tough one. <laughs> I gotta go East Coast. Vodcasts or podcasts? Podcasts. Old Testament or New Testament? New Testament. Steven Spielberg or George Lucas? Mm, Spielberg. TV shows, 80s or 90s? 80s. Finally, movies or documentaries? Oh, uh, right now I got to go documentary. <laughs> Boom. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Lightning round. Steven on the microphone. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Steven. Hey, really quickly, why don't you shout out your socials, shout out your podcast. Where can people find you? Where can people listen to you? Uh, most of my social feeds are under Murphy24P, at least Twitter, Instagram, uh, I think if you do a search for that in YouTube, it'll get you there. And then the Nook podcast is available on all the major outlets for such a thing. Um, it's funny about the Nook podcast. There's a couple of the things that have that name or something similar and they're uh-huh. like book, book related. Um, but best I could tell, none of them had updated in over a year. So it's kind of like, well, I'm going to go squat on this name yeah. <laughs> and, and keep putting, putting episodes out to where it's like, Hey, 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 that's mine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, guys. Make sure you check out Stephen Murphy online, check out his podcast uh, show him some love and Hey, when you get a chance after listening to his show, make sure you rate and review his podcast there on Apple Podcasts and, and show him some love that way and show him your appreciation for what he does in the podcasting space. Hey, thank you again, Stephen, for joining, uh, jumping on our show and I uh, appreciate you. Oh, dude, I so much appreciate you having me on. I, I knew we were going to have a good conversation and even that expectation has been blown. All right, gentlemen, there you have it. Stephen Murphy, the host of the Nook podcast. Uh, let's unpack his interview a little bit. Uh, maybe, Kevin, let's start with you. What is maybe one point, well, one thought that comes to mind uh, when you were listening to his interview? I just realized, I, I, I look at him and I through that interview and I go, he must be my brother from another mother. I just like his style. I like the fact that he spends time every day at the Nook by himself with his Bible with this copy, taking that time to just, it sounds funny I say this, but to breathe. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And then attack the day. Yeah. It goes against everything that maybe you or I were, were, were trained to talk about is get up, get going, hit the ground running. And then we wonder why we, we don't do well all th- throughout the day is then the Lord reminds us, Hey, um, you forgot to do one thing that starts with the word R and the EST at the end. You forgot to rest. Yeah, and what I love about his story is he literally, in his basement, created this place called the Nook, where he has to wake up, get ready, and go to. Right? He doesn't have to leave his house or anything like that, so there he still has that comfort. But I love this idea of going someplace to get ready for the day. It's going someplace to rest. And again, like you said, it's kind of back, you know, we might think of it's backward because he just woke up. He just woke up from a night of rest, but it's as if he's going to a place to rest and center himself, of course, in the word, his thoughts, you know, a cup of coffee before he starts his day. And I love that. Yeah. Good observation there, Kevin. And it's a beautiful thing is too about it's purposeful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going there just to veg out. He's going there to gas up. Yeah. There you go. That's good. How about you, Chris? Uh, what's uh, what's one thing that stood out in the interview? Well, just the fact that, I mean, he understood that there is a need for him to make the nook. 
Yeah. You know, like to have a meditative cave or a safe haven, because he was mentioning how his his uh, you know relationship with God had really deepened over the past couple of years. Yeah. And it's like I could kind of parallel with that. I'm not saying I'm like anywhere near his, but comparing where I was two years ago to where I am now, I can kind of see the parallel. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. wow, that's kind of cool. It's like he's doing what we're doing, but he's doing it within his own community. Well, something that stood out, especially with my personal life, that he said is just, I, I thought about how how can I apply what he's talking about, having the nook and having all those different types of things. And it's something that just recently happened this weekend is I'm having an issue with my shower uh-huh. where I need handyman help. And I really haven't been very worldly as far as repairs. Uh-huh. And so... I have I have an option. I have I could pay a handyman to do it, and then they would get done. Or I could pay a handyman to do it, and then also while I'm paying them, have them show me right what they're doing. So I I chose the second option, mm-hmm. and it was basically caulking my shower. Which if you talk to somebody, you go, "You're five thousand years old. How do you not know how to do that?" <laughs> and I go, "Well, I." And you just, you, you own up to it. They go, I don't know how to do it. Yeah. Smart thing to do when you don't know how to do something, as I said before, is surround yourself with people that do know how to do that and they're willing to share with you. The beautiful thing is it got done. And we talk about how it things, you got to reduce stress in your life. Mm-hmm. And if you have a house problem going on that everybody in your family is telling you, you got to fix it, got to fix it, got to fix it. But you have to learn how to do it. You're like, oh, okay, I'm going to learn how to do it. How do you do it? You get somebody that says, I'm going to I'm gonna pay you to come over here to do the work. But while you're doing it, I want you to show me how to do it because I want to do your job. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. And they were like, oh. I said, oh, I'm going to pay you. Jack mode. Yeah. I know how to do it. That's funny. How about you, Chris? Anything else that stood out from the interview? Uh, probably when he was doing the TV at the Olympics. Oh, yeah. And when, when, when Steven realized that, hey, I'm stressed out. It's, it's, a, it's a strain on my personal life. And he made a heart decision. Yeah. He didn't make a money decision. And that's kind of what I did with the art and the respiratory therapy. And for him to go to the church, for him to reconnect with his family and all that, and for him to see how his, his, his lifestyle, you know, basically changed because of the church and it's become a career for him. I mean, that's motivating for me. Yeah, because I did something really, really late. You know, it's kind of like a super dive and just dive in. But at the same time, though, I mean, I see how it's taking care of him, and I believe it's going to take care of me. And so I can kind of see those steps actually happening. So thanks, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. Shout outs to Stephen. I know that you're listening. Thanks for your life example of mm-hmm. stewarding well. Thank what, you. Yeah, what we would deem God opening up doors for you there. Steven. And so thank you. Anything last minute thoughts, guys, anything else that stood out that you want to unpack a little bit before uh, we call it a day? In my, in my world, I have to realize where is my nook? Mm. And I have to realize where is it? Where can I go to? Where, where can I get energized? Because I can tell you there's a big difference when I don't do it as to when I do do it. Uh Mm. And it doesn't take long. My doctor used to always say, I said, I said to him one time, doctor, I'm fat. And he says, okay, so you're fat. He said, it's taking you a long time to get fat. It's going to take you a long time to get skinny. Mm. 
that same amount of time plus. And I said, that wasn't very encouraging. And he goes, well, just do it. <laughs> yeah. Like Nike, just do it. You yep. kind of love those, those lectures where you know the answer. You just, you're just dreading what the other person is telling you. Yeah. No, but that's, that's a good way to frame it, Kevin, you know, to ask ourselves, well, where is our nook? Where is that place that we're going to go to, to rest, to, to breathe, to, to prepare ourselves? And, and, and that's a good thing. That's a, definitely a, a, a challenging thought for me as well to mm-hmm. look at my house and, or, or, or a place that's relatively close to my house that could be my nook where I can go and prepare mm-hmm. for my day. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Kevin. What about you, Chris? Last minute thoughts. Uh, pretty much. I, well, as far as the nook is concerned, I think this podcast is part of our nook, right? You know, or we can completely let down. Yeah, our dark. yeah. And we're, we're all, I mean, we already publicly say that we always look forward to it. And so whenever you're in an environment like that, where you can be fully yourself, dude, that's your nook. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's pretty cool. But I mean, just like like we were saying before, I mean, Stephen, it's almost as if like he's like our fourth member of the podcast crew in a way, right. you know, and he also realizes that, you know, God exists in people's attitudes and their actions and mm-hmm. just wanted to be around it. It doesn't have to be like over religious Remember, like he was saying, the best shoemaker doesn't put yeah. Jesus on every shoemaker. They just happen to be good. Yeah. And it's like, hey, I just want to be like that. Just be good. I, I love that point. Yeah. I yeah. want to go Inspire. into shoes. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, no, I mean, you you just triggered something in a good way there, Chris. I I was reminded of the Apostle Paul, right? He, Mm -hmm. you know, to support not his church ministry, but just to support his life. And I guess you could say church ministry, but he was a tent maker. And it's not like, Mm -hmm. you know, Paul went around putting like, you know, Jesus is the best on his tents. No, he committed to making great tents, you know, mm-hmm. and in him doing so, he was able to preach the gospel wherever he went to whomever he sold tents to. And, you know, I'm going to bring it back to coffee for me, at least. Mm-hmm. I think about, you know, I'm not not at any specific coffee shop, but I mean, it's no, and I talk about this openly, but, you know, I don't have generally good experiences at Christian coffee shops, right? Mm-hmm. Coffee shops that you know, call themselves, you know, eh, I'm not going to throw out names. I don't want to put anyone under the bus, but mm-hmm. you know, the heart is there, you know, they want to create an environment where they can reach the community, but they really skimp on quality in the coffee. And so uh-huh. a lot of Christian coffee shops that I go to, their coffee is horrible. I mean, they may mm-hmm. have a cool spot to sit in, but even though you have a cool spot to sit in and do work, if your coffee is horrible, I'm not going to come back. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, corridor flow there, you know, Nori and Tin are open believers, but they don't advertise themselves as a Christian coffee shop. They're, they mm-hmm. are a coffee shop whose owners happen to be believers. And mm-hmm. and so it's the same thing. Like we're, we're not going to open up a vintage coffee company, you know, and slap Jesus on everywhere just to let everyone yeah. know that, you know, these beans are holy. No, we yeah. are going to hire the the right people to make amazing coffee you know mm-hmm. we're going to source our beans from companies that are ethically sound that have 
you know, great quality and, and, and practice when it comes to roasting their beans. Like we are going to bring out high quality because when you look at it from a spiritual perspective, I don't think God would want us to skimp in that area. I believe God no. wants us to bring our best foot forward and for us to, I agree. you know, create these, these, you know, second rate products, if you will, whether it be shoes or tents in Paul's case, or in my case, coffee, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we want to create a great environment where people f- will feel welcome, but we also want to serve them great stuff. Um, and, you know, because like, let's say we did, hey, we want to create this Christian coffee shop, create the best the best atmosphere, but uh, we can skimp on coffee because we want to pour into our environment. Well, people are, are going to mm-hmm. try your stuff they're going to be, eh, they have a cool environment, but their coffee yeah. sucks. You know, that Christian, that church down the street serves really horrible coffee. Don't go there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like in those bacon culinary shows, they say, if you say that your yours is a lemon cake, it better have some lemon <laughs> yeah. and it better taste like lemon. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it all, it all revolves around the coffee. Yeah. So you're totally right. Yeah. And you know, I mean, maybe toward his latter life and rest in peace, the great DMX, right? Um, yeah, you know, I, quite honestly, you know, I mean, a lot of people really dug his stuff and musically, I just wasn't a fan. I'm not saying yeah, here. his music was, was horrible because when you look mm-hmm. at his rhyme schemes, they're brilliant. I love his rhyme schemes. It's just the music itself wasn't my cup of tea, but yeah, you know, here. his record sales and his sellout concerts would prove otherwise, of course, yeah. uh, than my own opinion. But it's not like he went out there, especially at the height of his career, saying that, you know, Jesus is the best, Jesus is the best, Jesus is the best, and here's my product, you know, I'm I'm a Christian rapper. No, but he just lived out his life. And, of course, this is after the fact that he passed, but there are, like, a ton of videos surfacing now of him, like, outside of his concerts or, you know, in the latter part of his life, really having great conversations with people about God, about Jesus, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he didn't slap that sticker onto his raps you know, um, he just yeah, lived it to out. get an extra buck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just lived it out. And I think when I, th- when you said that about the shoes there and, you know, just make great quality, I think as believers now, if I hone it back home to a believer's perspective, a Christian's perspective, just give the best that you have, you know, mm-hmm. and the rest will speak for itself, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I'm not considered a Christian poet. I'm just a spoken word artist who happens to be a believer and it's given me a lot of traction because I'm, you know, and, and let's face it. A lot of my poems do talk about Jesus, but I'm not going to be yeah. out there. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, Hey, I'm Derek three sixteen. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to use God as my advertising I'm, tool. I'm Derek Sermon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but great point there, Chris. Thank you yeah. so much. Um, once again, a great, great show, great guest that we had. Um, so check him out for those of you listening and want to hear another intriguing podcast. Check out the Nook podcast by Stephen Murphy. Normal spelling Stephen. Normal spelling Murphy. Uh, check him out. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast. Once again, shout outs to Cricket underscore Unicorn for the amazing review that you gave this past week. Make sure you hit the subscribe button uh, and we'll see you on Instagram at breed.podcast and of course please head over to our patreon page help us to cover the costs of running this show and until next time be the light extend your hand in love and make peace with someone this upcoming week stay blessed and we'll catch you next time peace